I will say I was downtown tomorrow. Tomorrow? What am I talking? What, what am I saying? <laughs> What's in that G and T? What am I saying, guys? <laughs> We're all struggling. Somebody be help me. <laughs> Welcome back to Switchcast Live. This is the beauty of being live. Uh, those of you listening on audio missed the the little gems we have here, but we appreciate you being with us here tonight. I am your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, Cannonball Run record holder, and uh, just general head of shenaniganry here on the podcast. Switchcast <laughs> is the podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. And while we're doing that, we're being very entertained, entertained ourselves. Uh, this season, we've been focusing primarily on topics and guests that help our listeners become smarter buyers and sellers, avoid scams, and make informed decisions from their initial purchase through all aspects of ownership. And I did make somebody a promise that we were going to talk about shipping cars tonight because that is a, a topic we get a lot of questions about. It's a murky uh, road to navigate, a little bit of a pun intended. But we're not. We're going to do that next week. So sorry. Going to keep you all waiting. But anyway, if you have questions about shipping, uh, we've got a lot to cover on that. But if you have questions about car shipping, uh, slide into our DMs, as they say, and uh, send us a message. We'll try our best to, to cover those next week. Uh, this week, we're just doing a general Q&A. We've had a lot of really good questions over the week, uh, over the last few weeks that we haven't been able to get to. We're going to do our best to get to those tonight. Uh, but we are also always prioritizing live questions. And even more so if you send them with stars, gifts, uh, whatever that's called. Money. Uh, this is how we operate here. <laughs> We are sellouts. We can be bought. So uh, if you're watching us uh, live on YouTube, Facebook, or TikTok, um, shoot us your automotive-related questions, uh, and uh, we'll talk about absolutely anything as long as it can be tied to cars in some way and it doesn't get us uh, banned off of TikTok like we were last week for about 30 seconds. So uh, <laughs> for no apparent reason. None. Yep, yep, got canceled. Anyway, um, yeah, so shoot us your questions. Uh, Tyler and Ethan will be getting those uh, over to me, and we'll do our best to, to answer them somewhat seriously. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Ethan is already saying that's not going to happen. No, 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 there's yes. at least some seriousness. Somewhat, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Anyway, I, I guys, I... I May quit the podcast, though. I found a way to get rich. All right. What is I, it? I found ooh, the, ooh. The, the scam of the century. Mm -hmm. Can you bring S us with you? Sure. Sweet. So right. there was an Go article this week that one of Finland's richest citizens got a $130,000 speeding fine. And this was not for going 200 miles an hour. He was going like 18 miles an hour over the speed limit. Oh, goodness. Right? Right. Soccer moms do that every day in my <laughs> yeah. neighborhood. Uh, but Finland finds drivers based on their income. So it's essentially like they break it down to a half a day's wages is your speeding ticket. So he makes a lot of money. So his was 130 grand. Uh, yeah. Oh, a half a day is 130 grand. Yes. Oh. But this is like... I figured out this life hack. Okay. I'm going to go on welfare and cannonball Finland. Okay. Okay. Think about it. Right? Because I get paid to speed. If if uh -huh. you think that welfare is negative income, right? Because, right? Oh, if you make money, yeah, uh -huh. you pay taxes to the government. If you make no money, you get money from the government. So that's like negative income, right? Mm. You're so, so then poor if you that you're speed. paying negative taxes. So if I speed and my income is negative because I'm on welfare, the then cop my has ticket to pay would you. be right. Yeah, I don't know how things go on that side of the pond, uh, but it might be worth a shot. <laughs> I don't know if math works that way over Just there. Don't but. think about it too hard because. Welfare is still income, but I, I see it as negative income. So if you don't think about it too hard, it might. Yeah, it, it might makes hold a water. lot of sense. Yeah. Right, no. yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's some some uh, 
pontificators online who are very much in favor of this manner of taxing, or, or I'm sorry, well, speeding is a tax, but of, of taxing people based on their income for for speeding. Because uh, one article said something to the effect of, well, that's the only way that justice can be fair and equitable. And I was like, come on, it's it's speeding. The word justice should never come into play with the average speeding in fact fraction. It's a revenue generator. Um, another article opines that a wealthy person would be less likely to speed if they were facing prohibitive fines. And I was like, well, yeah, but a wealthy person is more likely to have a car that's capable of going fast safely. So if you enact this system to where it's expensive for wealthy people and cheap for the average citizen, then you're going to have a whole bunch of people in hoopties running around, flying around the highways without a care in the world because they're be like, eh, I get pulled over. It's like two bucks, man. No big deal. <laughs> I'm like, this is not this is not a good situation. Uh, I, I mean, I disagree with the whole concept of of beating fines in general. It, it is plain and simple a tax. So I don't know, maybe they're right. If it is a tax, then maybe it should be income-based. It's it's wrong either way. So It is an interesting way to do it, though. Uh, we do Interesting have, is a word. Yeah, it's the, I thought it was a very good word for it because I didn't take either <laughs> side of it. I didn't want to... Um, on the subject of speed, we do have a super chat already from somebody yeah, on YouTube. Right. Uh, Garrett Murphy, Murphy, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, they ask, is there a minimum top speed you think would be necessary for a car to beat the current cannonball record? If so, what is the number? A minimum top speed. I don't think it's about top speed. I think it's about sustained cruising speed. Um, to do it... Under normal traffic scenarios, you have to go as fast as possible at all times possible. But that is not just like, oh, flat out, I have space, so I'm going to go 190. As fast as possible combines factors like, okay, not blowing people's doors off, passing safely, making sure you have enough time to react. So a lot of times when we would have space to go 180, we're only going 120 because there's just other people around. So, no, I don't, I don't think it's about like a minimum top speed. I think your car has to be capable of at least 150 to 160 because you have to maintain those cruising speeds when you do have the space in order to average more than 110. So I guess if that's the, the, the question he's asking, that's, you know, versus just like, okay, what speed can I hit? Like you don't need to be able to go 200. But, yeah, you have to at least be able to cruise at 150. Makes sense. We got a tipper in a TikTok here, Douglas Martin, who's getting very antsy about us not monitoring this chat here. Oh. Uh, but rest assured. So many questions, though. We appreciate it. Rest Thank assured. You for your tip. Yes, we are. We are monitoring all all platforms here. And, Except uh, Facebook. Nope, I've got it. <laughs> no, oh, Tyler's, Tyler's yeah, carrying right. Facebook. Yep. Say hi to Bill Sahusky. He's here every week. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, Douglas, we do appreciate the tip. He said, <laughs> he said, Doug, do you need 20 grand? I want a car. And he said, my name is Doug as well. He said, for anyone but yourself. So, I don't know, 20 grand? 20 grand. For a car for anyone but yourself. Okay, so he he wants my opinion, but not what would I do if I was in my shoes? I guess, right? Yes, yes. So, so Douglas, you got please, twenty grand please correct to spend. Me. I want to I want to respect this question. Please correct me if I interpreted that wrong. You have twenty but, grand to spend. What do you buy for anyone that's not me? It, all right, it, would it be like what would you buy for somebody else that you think mm. is good? Depends how much I like them. Mm. I might oh, buy somebody true. a Yugo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> But they also might like that. You do that with Dan Doucette or Mark Spence, they might enjoy it. This is true. This is very true. <laughs> Douglas, also, just, where are you going to spend twenty k on a Yugo? Douglas just says, "I oh, want we his do have a Yugo. We do have a Yugo coming up for sale. That's very nice. It could it could exceed nine thousand dollars. It's that good. Yowza. It's not it's not twenty grand, but <laughs> I got an LS. I'll sell you that would make it more than twenty. <laughs> Can you imagine an LS swapped Yugo? It wouldn't stay now together. You could call it a you really go. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh, just have obliterated this question. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We, we are nine minutes in, and the rails are not even inside right. anymore. Yeah. It's, this is great. It's, it's Douglas. Like, it's is, like a train in East uh, East Ohio. Oh, no, no, no. For some reason, rails. for some reason, Douglas is continuing to tip <laughs> us, and I'm not sure why. But thank you very much for that. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Norfolk Southern because we are off the rails. Ethan, if you're looking for podcast highlights, timestamp <laughs> nine minutes. Yeah, we are. This is... All right, all right. Back to Doug's question. Woo. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Coming back to Earth now. <laughs> all right. <laughs> what, what? So, what was clarifying? Can you clarify, Doug's? He said he wants your interpretation. He says, "I do want twenty grand. I I want a car." For anyone but yourself. For anyone but myself. Okay, if it's for anyone but myself, it would be an automatic because I would buy a stick. So, hmm, it would probably be practical. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yes. I, I like it. Um, It would be a sedan because, or like a, a two plus two coupe because... I like having a car that's the best for every possible scenario and most people will take like, okay, they, they buy one car that's like a, a do-everything type of car. So I feel like it would be like an Audi S5 DCT, right? It's reasonably fun. Uh, it's a good car. It's all-wheel drive. You can drive it all year round. It's a good transmission. It's a good like drivetrain combination. The DCT with that V8 is nice. Except if it was not for me, then I would buy the supercharged 3.0 T or whatever the next generation oh, after yeah. the V8 was. Yeah, so I'd buy like a 2015 Audi S5. That would I would not buy one. That would be a great would, car for somebody else yeah. for 20 grand that they could use for everything. Go to their job, you know, put a bike rack on top. What whatever they do. Is that only 20 grand? I thought they were more expensive than that. Yeah, I was no, gonna, like a. 13, 14, 15, you could get an S5 around 20 grand. Exactly. For anyone but me. I don't yeah. have to worry High about the mileage doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, but fine. And then a low mileage 2010. I mean, you can get S5s around 20 grand. Okay, we just sold an 18 for like 27, so I'm sure you could get a 14 for less. Douglas Martin is continuing to tip us and says, <laughs> "Was my opinion that good?" Well, now he wants to know what you would buy, Doug, and for all 20 caps. grand, friggin' Corvette C5. <laughs> <laughs> what else? It's <laughs> the objective right answer. If I had to buy a sedan, though, I'd buy a really high. Okay, I'd buy the car we have out here. We have 188,000 mile. E39 M5. Oh. And I love driving those. Everything about that car is really good. So, anyway, but no, I'd, I'd buy a Corvette, a really good Corvette C5 for 20 grand. Would, would you daily that? Yeah. There you go. I used to daily a Corvette C5. I've put like 50,000 miles on Corvette C5s in the last mm, 12 years. Which 30, everything else in the, last, in the first four years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. Great name. Uh, let's uh, speaking of Corvettes. Oh, yeah. It looks like uh, Doug needs to take a bit of a break and the Corvette curmudgeon is going to come in and hang with, out with us for a little bit. Uh, how are you doing this evening, uh, Mr. Corvette curmudgeon? How's it going? Oh, you know. Just living the dream. Another day in paradise. I see you've got a, a Crystal Pepsi shirt on. Do you remember when that came out for real? Oh, uh, yeah. How did you feel yep. about Crystal Pepsi when it came out? Oh, it was good. It was good. Yeah. Yep. You didn't think they changed it too much by making it clear instead of, you know. Well, it was a little bit of a fad, but, you know, <laughs> it tasted good. So, <laughs> All right. Yep. Okay. At least what they came out with uh, recently tastes good. Uh, anywho, uh, so I don't know if you've been able to stay up late enough to hear when we read, uh, you know, we've got an ad. Nuts for Sticks is a great sponsor of the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nuts for Sticks. Uh, Have you heard this before? Nope. Nope. So, Nuts for Sticks. Sounds kind of odd. Is that <laughs> is that when you ride, like, two 
Two people ride, two men ride two up on a motorcycle? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, <laughs> not close, but not quite. Uh, so Nuts for Sticks is a, a, a brand that celebrates manual transmissions, you know, shifting gears yourself, clutch pedal, okay. gear lever, that whole whole thing. Okay. You, so you're yep. following me? Yeah. Uh, okay, so gotcha. I wanted to ask you tonight, are you Nuts for Sticks? I still feel like you're asking me if I drink Bud Light or something. <laughs> I'm not sure about this question. Uh, do you like manual transmissions? Do you think they're better than automatics? Yeah, well, yeah, because they're more rare. Friggin' 80% of Corvettes are, are automatic, so if I want to have a rare Corvette, I buy a manual. Uh, then them friggin' young people can't steal it either, and my grandson can't drive it. Neither can my son. He's a little patsy. Friggin' his wife runs the ship in that house. So, yeah, he doesn't know how to drive stick. So, I, you know, I think you're right. A lot of young folk don't know how to drive sticks. But I think Nuts for Sticks is more about the enjoyment of driving a manual, less maybe not because it's so rare. Do you enjoy driving a manual transmission more? Well, I enjoy washing my car. Okay. All right. Well, not washing it. I don't use water. I've never actually washed it because it's never been dirty. But I, I enjoy getting the California car duster out and wiping it down. And check it out my spec sheet, and I look at that and see it's a manual transmission. That's a rare option. So, yeah. All right. Well, that isn't exactly where I wanted it to go, but I always appreciate your insight. Uh, so thanks for coming well, thank around. thank you. Will and, I pick up my check on the way out? or uh, You know, you just got to wait till the end of the show, and we'll we'll take care of you then. Can you well, stay I got to go home and get to bed. So, Well, we'll get you next week then. It'll be okay. all right. We'll, we'll all figure right. it out. All right. And as always, the Corvette Curmudgeon is brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook, your source for cranky boomers, overpriced <laughs> Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. <laughs> All right, so I have the listing of the week from the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group. It is not disappointed. Oh. Uh, so this week, somebody dangerously listed a 94 Dodge Viper RT10 in the Corvette buy sell trade group which is a big no-no but some people got some great comments in before before it got taken down but the guy who listed it qualified to be a Corvette curmudgeon he was just a Chrysler curmudgeon so it was black with a gray interior it had aftermarket wheels this giant rear wing and front splitter and I mean, like this rear wing was huge. It looked like it came off of an 80s race car. But the description is the best. Quote, unquote, too clean to be bucked up with a B. I don't know what that means. One of three in the USA. This Viper has the best titles out of all. Very rare. Only two owner. <laughs> Cash talks best. You don't like it? Move on. This car is way too historical and rare. I had so many questions. So I ran the VIN because I'm thinking like the best titles, like it has a, a salvage title or like what? And like that was clean. Okay. Oh, oh, I forgot about this. So it's a 94 Viper with 17,000 miles. He's asking a hundred grand. <laughs> Which is a staggering amount of money. <laughs> right. Right. So one of three in the USA. I'm not sure what he's talking about. There's thousands of vipers and like black over gray is not rare combination by any stretch of the imagination it's rare ish but yeah. I, I mean i was thinking maybe like one of three like there's three that comes for the price of a hundred thousand because that's <laughs> like, the only way this would be worth it but the viper has the best titles out of all what? like what that is bizarre and the main photo the main photos are of somebody cleaning this car as well yeah it's like a mobile detailer yeah the hoods open the doors open this detailer is like washing the glass in every single picture the guy wants <laughs> at <laughs> least twice what it's worth and he's just snapping photos while somebody else is detailing it bo, bo peep says isn't that just a v10 miata sounds very expensive <laughs> <laughs> no a miata handles better yeah, there and is built better <laughs> <laughs> and has better air conditioning <laughs> And rides better. <laughs> well, I think uh, it might just be Bailey. Better. Bailey Walton says uh, he said Viper Corvette, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, yeah. Bailey. Yeah, 
I, well, and if it's so historical and rare and he doesn't want it to be bucked up, why did he put the spoilers and the, the wheels and crap on it already? It had like an aftermarket nav screen and stuff. I'm just, I'm, I don't know what the guy was thinking. Uh, it's kind of, well, it's not local. It's three hours away. I was, it was in Ohio. I wanted to go look at it and, and just be like, what, what in the world? Oh, anyway, let's, <laughs> let's go to some questions. We actually got another super chat here from YouTube. Thank you, Philip Moss, for hanging out with us tonight and showing your support. Uh, a completely unrelated question. Philip wants to know what your favorite whiskey is. How is that related to cars? Uh, it, we consume it while the po- the podcast is happening. Or we can say, we, well, PSA, don't <laughs> drink and drive. Oh, we're there it's related yeah. to what whiskey do you drink after you're home and not driving? What whiskey is my favorite? Um, I prefer scotch. Uh, honestly, it's smoother and whiskey, like the more expensive you get, it just gets stronger, not better and smoother. So, uh, red breast is pretty good. Um, and that's an Irish whiskey. Yeah, that's, you're right. That is an red Irish is whiskey. Good, that's though. super, super good. Um, uh, Lagavulin 18 is probably my favorite go-to scotch. So yeah, that, that would be my favorite whiskey. Thank you. Nice. Good question. Or is it 16? I can never it's remember 16. 16 or 18. 16. Thank you very much. Uh, TikTok is just, there's so there's a plethora of questions here tonight. Uh, so we appreciate every one of you. Please know, please know that all of your questions are in a queue here. Please know that. Um, <laughs> it may be weeks until we get to them, they but are we'll all, try. They're all queued. Yes, I swear. There's I promise. so many that yes. the ones that have the biggest tips will go to the top. Wink, wink. Funny how that works. <laughs> Snoopy Al Manza says, what to do with 10K I want to try? Try and flip it into more with cars. What cars are profitable? Mm. Uh, I would put the 10K on black in Vegas and flip that and make 20K, double your money real quick, and then buy a Corvette C5. <laughs> what? Uh, cars that are profitable are whatever you are an expert at, right? So there's no... That, that's like saying, what business should I get into to make money? You should get into a business that you know. Every type of business is profitable to the people that understand it and make it profitable. And every type of business is also a loser to the people that don't understand it. Um, same thing with cars. If, if you understand a certain niche and know their common issues and what they go for and what customers want and how to buy them for less than they're worth, then you can make anything profitable. I think usually when people ask this question, they're asking like, oh, what car is just going to magically go up in value that I can buy that's like some hot tip trade secret versus the principle that you make your money on the buy, right? And the last couple of years, people have been able to buy anything they want and it'll go up in value. And that's that's just a false narrative that isn't repeatable. That doesn't happen under normal market conditions. So the the car that's profitable is the one that you buy for less than you can sell it for. And it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, All right. I think uh, I got one that kind of goes along nicely with that. And Paul Carmi on YouTube was in, this was before the stream started. So Paul was like waiting in line. All Uh, right. Doug, do you think the impending economic crash will finally make cars affordable again? I don't think there is an EP impending economic crash um there's too much cash out there the fundamentals of the economy are stronger than what they were in 2007 uh we don't have credit default swaps and and people packaging up loans that are bad and and making them good uh i think there's some really big weak spots in the economy. Uh, Consumer debt is at an all-time high. Automotive debt is at an all-time high. Automotive payments are at an all-time high. You know, I think we're going to have cracks in the system for sure, uh, but I don't think there's going to be any big crash. I think we'll we'll see some corrections here and there. But, you know, I I don't know, define affordable, right? Like, if you look at the price of new cars, even relative to 20 or 30 years ago, inflation has outpaced those. So even though we've had massive inflation recently, like 
new car prices aren't that expensive relative to what they were in the 90s. Same thing with gas. Same thing for a lot of stuff. So stuff's going to ebb and flow, but I don't think there's going to be any 50% off sales. I, I, I don't see 2008, nine happening again in, in the short term, but who knows? I'm, I'm not a real economist. I just read and observe. You're not. <laughs> eh. I'm not an investment advisor either. Contrary to what most used car salesmen Switchcast think does not they provide are. investment advice or yes. thoughts on the economy yes. that mean anything. <laughs> um, no. It doesn't provide any thoughts that mean anything <laughs> at all, but uh, people listen anyway. <laughs> no asks, Doug, I just got a Mercury Grand Marquis. What do I do with it? Oh, great Mexican stick. <laughs> <laughs> um... Take your AARP card out of the glove box <laughs> and go to dinner at 4 p.m. Yeah, uh, start start the new version of the Corvette curmudgeon, but be the you know the the Mercury man and just like wear wear pleated pants and orthopedic shoes and go to dinner at 4 p.m. and complain about the price on everything. And then just ne- just say that the Panther body was the best the car ever was. Yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's 18 Facebook Panther groups, so <laughs> yeah. join all of them. I've got uh, one here that came from Switchcast.live, which for those of you that do not know, uh, you can go to get current and past episodes, and there's blog posts. So if you have any things Switchcast related, uh, when we're not sitting here talking to you, head on over to Switchcast.live. Yes. Uh, so Brian Deal uh, says, Hi, Doug. My girlfriend wants a red Mercedes convertible. Those are her only requirements. I, however, want the most reliable year and model. What do you recommend? Does not need to be fast. Mm, that's you. good because there's a lot of Mercedes convertibles that are not fast. Most of them, in fact. Um, well, it, twofold answer to this. The salesman in me says we have an amazing red over tan 95 Mercedes E320 with 25,000 miles uh, that's going to be coming up for sale here on Bring a Trailer that is just gorgeous. But Honestly, it's more of a collector piece than anything. Like it's probably going to go for like 40 to 50 grand, which to me seems crazy, but there are people that, you know, love those. Um, I will, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to tell you to buy exactly what I bought my wife. Um, well, first I'm going to tell you not to buy your girlfriend a car. Well, he didn't say he was buying it for her, right? He's just advising her. Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, don't buy your girlfriend a car, but if, uh, if she's spending the money for it, um, I bought my wife a 2011 E350 and the 212 chassis SW, whatever letter you put in front of it. But the 212 chassis in my research is one of the best chassis that Mercedes ever made. Uh, the engine is pretty bulletproof. Everything around it, the electronics, um, the suspension, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't do friggin' air suspension, except they did, you know, rear aromatic in the sedans and the convert uh, and the wagons. Um, but even then, that was far more reliable and cheaper to fix than the the, the previous generation of the air suspension. Um, but it's like it's bulletproof. They don't have issues with their convertible tops. They're fun-ish to drive. They're comfortable. You can get air-conditioned seats. You can get the air scarf, which literally blows hot air around your neck. So you can have the top down on a cool day. Like, just everything they thought of. Um, Oh, and my wife didn't really care about this, but you can get the E550 convertible. So if you're about practicality, you get the 350, nice little V6. you know, goes enough, but the 550 has the uh, twin turbo, sorry, bi turbo V8, Ooh. and you can tune the crap out of that thing. Like it's not the AMG engine, but you can make it stink and go. So you know, if you want to do smoky burnouts in your girlfriend's convertible, no double entendres there. That just <laughs> get her an E550. Yeah, um, that's that's what I would do. I'd like to get in two quick questions here yes. from TikTok. One comes from because he tipped. We'll we'll, we'll hit this one first. Uh, Snoopy again. Snoopy Almanza asks what he asks. What's your opinion on Eurospec diesel BMWs? Uh, I wish they were US spec. 
I think diesel's an awesome technology. Uh, it's efficient. It might be a little bit dirty, maybe causes cancer, but you know, that aside, um, really, really efficient, better than hybrids, way better than EVs. And, uh, I would own one if I could get one here. So, All right. yeah. Torquey. <laughs> uh, pro, Smokey. Procharged F-150. <laughs> What's your opinion on the Isuzu Via Cross? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Those are, those are like, man, uh, was that early 2000s or was it late 90s those came out? I, okay. For the non-carish people watching, if you are, uh, I cannot give you a visual picture of the Isuzu Via Cross. You have to go look it up. It is a concept car that was like this kind of Baja, like Street Fighter, Mad Max type of vehicle in real life that like actually made it from concept car to production without losing its luster. Most concept cars get dumbed down and, you know, changed by the accountants. And this thing looked amazing. It, it was like a Hot Wheels car that you never thought they'd actually make. And it still looks like a Hot Wheels car. Uh, I think they're super cool. There's actually a guy around here that hoards them. I ran into him at the post <laughs> office and he owns like 30 of them. And 25 30? are what? parts cars because nobody can get parts because they're like such a one-off weird thing that like, yeah, you have to just buy parts off of another one. So I got to be honest, I had never seen the Vehicross concept before and I just looked it up. The production one is not that different. Right. <laughs> it's impressive. Right. Really? It's yeah. such a neat thing. That's cool. I mean, it's it's also terrible on, on you know, it's in Isuzu, but... <laughs> Other than the terrible part of it, it's awesome. I would love to own one as a nostalgic kind of, you know, kitschy little thing, but I'd I'd rock one. Yeah. Yeah. They're sweet. Yeah. Yeah, does your post office buddy about it and and he didn't. No. He was only buying them. Oh, Procharged F one fifty actually has one and he loves it a lot. Yeah. There you go. Figured we want to take time to let you know that uh, SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we are broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. And that brings us to the Shrewd Negotiator, which is, of course, brought to you by Vin Wiki, who I think invented the term. I don't know if it was Ed or somebody just on the show, but it's just become ubiquitous and, and associated with with VinWiki. So uh, this week, um, this was a story from a car salesperson who uh, relayed that somebody came in with a trade in. It was some sort of Mercedes, and the guy was forty five thousand dollars upside down on his trade. For the non car dealer people, that means that he owed forty five grand more than it was worth. Yeah. Ow. Yeah. And he wanted to trade it in for 2015 Bentley GT with 67,000 miles. And somehow they got the deal done. So they rolled $45,000 in negative equity and sold him aftermarket products, warranties, all that crap, and sold him the Bentley for 91 grand. Now, for those of you not paying attention, 2015 Bentley Continental GT with 67,000 miles, which right off the bat, high mileage Bentleys, I will tell you, are friggin' impossible to sell. There's a reason I don't stock high mileage, like baller cars, because they attract the buyers I don't want. It's the ones that finance at 25% interest and, you know, Unless you have subprime banks, you ain't getting it done. So, uh, yeah, but I recently sold a 2013 Bentley GT with similar miles. And this was like a perfect example for 70 grand retail. 
So they sold them, and the 13s and 15s are no different. It's not like some redesign or anything like that. So wholesale is probably 60 on that car right now. So they sold them a $60,000 wholesale car for 91 grand and absorbed 45 grand in negative equity and sold him gap and warranties and yada, yada, yada. So basically, one, the dealer didn't do him any favors. Two, this guy is terrible at negotiating. <laughs> Three, he's essentially, he went from being 45 grand upside down to like 70 grand upside down on his trade. So he's 70 grand upside down on a car that's worth 70 grand. Oh. Figure that one out. Poor guy. Figure that one out. But he Uh, bought Gap, which Gap coverage, if you go wreck your car, means that they will pay out. They will cover the difference between like the book value on your car and what you owe. So if he owes 140 on a 70K car, they'll cover the extra 70K. Maybe he's actually a genius. Right? I'm like, <laughs> let me set up a VIN's, VIN alert on Copart for this Seriously. car. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's getting driven off a cliff tomorrow. Where was, where was the value already went off a cliff. He's just following. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, some people just cannot be helped into good decisions. It's just... Whew. And there's, for every person like that, there's a dealer ready <laughs> just to, to take their... Just rubbing their hands to together. To take their bank's money. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> All right. Let's go back to questions. But before we do that, let's go to the question of the week. Yes. And the question of the week is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all of its forms. Forget flappy paddles, we like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and fun, funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. And the question of the week is from Dave Lanning. What eight-seater is best eight-seater? Oh, so i had to default to our friend katie the car lady for this one she was a guest on our show earlier this season and you can look her up on the social medias and stuff just look for katie the car lady she's an automotive consultant for all the stuff i don't really do the you know the the pedestrian cars (laughs) you know i don't know anything about cars that have more than two doors but uh i mean if i was answering the question i'd buy a two-seater and get like a trailer for all my kids (laughs) so (laughs) Just bolt a bunch of patio chairs to it. Right. It'll be fine. Um, you talked but, about doing that with an S2000 once, I remember. Yes. <laughs> so it's not entirely true. I do own an eight-seater. I own a, a early 7.3 diesel excursion, and that's what I would tell them to buy. But most people who aren't car people can't appreciate those things. They're like, well, it's diesel, it's loud, and it's noisy, and you know, yada, yada, yada. They want Apple CarPlay. So... Katie had some great answers for Dave. Uh, She said, one, you can't get a new minivan right now, at least Honda and Toyota, because of their supply chain constraints. So her favorites are the Kia Telluride and Hyundai Palisade. They both have good warranties, good tech, good styling, and they're affordable. She says you can drive in style, luxury feeling for under 50 grand, and none of the others get that close. She said, no Jeeps, <laughs> terrible <laughs> ratings, and overpriced. Uh, I agree with her there. I've read some of the stuff about how many recalls and stuff the, the new big Jeeps are having, the Wagoneers and Commanders and all that. Man, it is, it's scary. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah not great. Um, she wasn't a fan of the pricing on the Tahoe or the Yukon either. That's probably what I get because I like big SUVs. But she did say if you were going to go that way, that uh, the Tahoe and Yukon or are better than uh, a Ford. They hold their value better and they make a better truck engine, which I agree. It's an LS engine, right? Um, high mileage on them, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, I think I've had three vehicles that have had engine failures and they've all been Fords, so... Womp womp. <laughs> I would I would agree. And she said used Toyota minivans are just stupid overpriced. So that's that's her uh, recommendation is is a Kia or a Hyundai. Um, I can't agree or disagree because I don't care. 
<laughs> I buy a station. I buy two station wagons. My wife yeah. could drive one. I'd drive the other one. Perfect. <laughs> yes. All right. I well, do, on uh, that note, let's go to some more live questions. We've got two super chats from YouTube. Over All right. Here. We are really firing up the super chat machine we, yeah, over here. Same on thing YouTube. over here on TikTok. All Thank right. you so much. Right, do you want to alternate that, Ethan? Or do you want me to? No, uh, you you can you can blast out the two. Uh, Get oh, your right. stuff together, guys. Ooh. Sorry. Well, sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> we know what we're doing. Uh, so Mo on YouTube. Hi Doug. Was the Diablo SV everything you imagined? Any disappointments? Uh, I don't actually own a Diablo SV. Uh, I own a VT, but it is pretty awesome. Um, it's very uh, not utilitarian. Spartan interior. Which is to be expected. I mean, you get in any 90s supercar and they're really, really terrible interiors. So that would be a complaint I have with that. But as far as like the driving, the engine sound, the the visceral feeling, uh, they're awesome. And I love the SV because it's lighter and it's rear wheel drive uh, compared to the other variants. So it's more of a driver's car than, you know, than a VT. So, yeah, no, I I love them. Awesome. I, I think they're seriously undervalued compared to what else you get. Like you look at all the other 90 supercars and they're pretty much without exception. They're seven figures, except the XJ220, which there's a reason it's not because you can't get parts for it. You have to ship it to England to get serviced. And, you know, it's still that, you know, the, the, the curse of the V6, right? Like follow that car because originally it was supposed to be a V12, they put a V6 in it instead, and even though it was faster, everybody sued and got their deposits back and all that crap, and I think that like stigma has followed the XJ220 to this day. So, It at least always comes up whenever you talk about it. Like, right. well, there's got to have been a V12. Right, and the Diablo is usable. You can get in that car and drive it every day. It's somewhat reliable as far as an Italian V12 supercar goes, and like, what other supercar of that era can you use? Bugatti EB110? No. Unlikely. Vector M12? No. Jaguar XJ220? No. I was impressed at how comfortable it is. We went to that show last year that was like an hour or so away, and it's just comfortable. Like, it's not luxurious, but it's not a bad place to spend a little bit of time. Heck yeah. All right, next up is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you as well uh, for supporting us here tonight. Uh, he wants to ask, what is your preference for brake pad material if exotic brakes aren't an option, such as carbon ceramic? Mm. This is some technical car nerdy stuff. Very technical. I, I mean, you can still get ceramic pads. Like, they make pads with ceramic material in them. Um, I like a harder pad because I, I want some feel to it. I don't want it soft and squishy, but I don't like, you know, (laughs) I was just going to let you go. (laughs) Oh, sorry for those of you that heard the, that couldn't hear the off mic comment. That was great. (laughs) We had a Michael Scott in there. Uh, (laughs) um, You get too hard and this guy you man. just get squeaking right you hit the brakes and you yeah. just, it just makes all sorts of noise so it, it depends on the application um I, I like a reasonably hard pad um and frick I, I mean i'm not up on like all the different materials they put in them but some of the newer ceramic pads are actually pretty dust free even if you have steel rotors um so oh yeah the hardest pad you can get that's dust-free and squeak-free and, you know. I need to get some of those for my Porsches because they're dusty. Like, nobody... It's like Dust Bowl every time I drive. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ethan, um, what do we got over the tip yeah, talk? It's just a, whole, a whole lot here. Snoopy Almanza once again tipped us and asks, have you ever seen a mini Bronco? And he also wants to know your opinion on a 2023 Suzuki Jimny. Right. A mini Bronco, like a Bronco Sport? I'm not entirely like sure. Like the new one or like an Austin Cooper mini Bronco? We can or ask like him for a, clarification. A, a go-kart Bronco. <laughs> Maybe not that, but he, he asked for a mini Bronco. Yeah. Uh, I've seen minis. I've seen Broncos. I've seen the Bronco Sport. I think the Bronco Sport is kind of, I mean, it's it's a Ford Escape. Like, come on. it's. I think it's kind of silly. I like the full-size Broncos. They're a real Bronco. So if that's what you're asking... I'm not a huge fan from like a, 
you know, enthusiast perspective, I'm sure it's a great little SUV for people that just want transportation. Uh, definitely better than the Jeep Commander. Not Commander. What's the, the, the little Jeeps that aren't Jeeps at all? They're like a Chrysler 300 with a Jeep body. Like oh, the Icon like, or... Like the Patriot? Yes, uh, okay. the Patriot. There's another one with a different name that I can't even tell apart. So I'd take a Bronco Sport over one of those. But We've actually got a little bit of clarification here. Okay. Um, people are speculating in the comments. They're kind of interpreting that question. And they think maybe that the user was referring to the Jimmy as a mini Bronco. Oh, like the, the old school one. Cause yeah. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I can't speak but it, to that's what the exactly GMC and it's Ford Broncos, a Ford. So that a Jimmy would be a mini blazer, right? That's why I'm not entirely sure what's meant here, but he did. He specifically wanted to know your thoughts on the 2023, uh, Jimmy there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I, I don't like new Chevy pickup trucks that are made in the last like six years from, from an aesthetic perspective. I think they got just really like big square and, you know, when Ford was making them smoother and sleeker, General Motors is like, let's put lots of parallelograms and rectangles and stuff like that and just not be cohesive with the styling. So, I appreciate the throwback. It's probably not, I'm not going to say probably, it's not something I would buy, but I, I don't need it anyway. It doesn't fit into my wheelhouse. Um, I think they'll sell it, I'm sure, but I would rather have a Bronco or just like, if if I'm buying a truck, I'm not buying a novelty truck. I'm buying one that does truck stuff and and is a truck. So Not a fan of the Jimny then. I, it's it's cool, but it, it I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't doesn't make sense. The old Jimmy was practical. It fit in a niche. It was like a, kind of a it was a midsize SUV in a world that hadn't really uh, adopted midsize SUV midsize SUVs uh, in in a ubiquitous sense yet. Right? They hadn't become commonplace. So I think it was good for. GMC back then and they made some like cool ones like the whatever the, the not the LTZ that's the limited one but the you know they had the, the bigger wheels and the 90s graphics and stuff and they looked cool but those were the you know uh, those were the exception it, it was just a, a practical vehicle and I think now it's more of a nostalgic profit center even the newer the 2023 yeah the new yeah. one well, yeah, because they haven't made it since. Sure. Like late '90s was the last one, so sure yeah. they're bringing the name back to to capitalize on it. I think. So, got another super chat here on YouTube. We're rolling them and in them tonight. So thank you everybody for hanging out with us. Uh, Elon Musk is suspicious. Forty three, a longtime member of chat. Uh, love to see this name. Uh, they want to know how common are rattles and annoying interior noises on a nine nine seven RS. I love the car, but I don't know what's normal and what's not. Only driven this one. You can't hear them because of the exhaust. <laughs> uh, the most annoying rattle, honestly, is the clutch. So when the clutch is engaged, um, disengage. I can never remember which is which because it's the opposite of pedal versus whatever. So when your clutch pedal is out so your clutch is yeah engaged uh you just hear it's like a, a bag of friggin marbles behind you uh so your only option at a stoplight is to sit with a really heavy clutch pushed in or listen to that it goes away once you get into the revs but that's only because the engine is super loud which is actually an awesome noise so yeah it's great um, the only actual interior rattles I've heard, I mean, let's be honest, it's a German car. The fit and finish, the build quality is fantastic. There really aren't squeaks and rattles. Um, if you install an aftermarket roll bar, those are prone to squeaking and rattling, especially the OEM ones because they actually bolt together. So every bolt point is a, you know, potential flex movement point. Um, so those squeak annoyingly. Um, and if you put like solid bushings and stuff like that, sometimes you can get suspension creaks, but out of the box as they come very tight car, nothing annoying other than that lightweight flywheel just 
Switchcast ASMR, everybody. <laughs> it's the worst ASMR <laughs> of all time. What does ASMR stand for? For the old guy in here. Uh, I don't remember I what, what it stands, stands for, for, but it's essentially some auditory stimulation. So it's like, I, I'm not even going to try to explain it because somebody on YouTube or TikTok can you give us upset. an example? Then? I cannot, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there's a good question from follow up from from a couple weeks ago or no i'm sorry this came through instagram a guy said you should do an episode comparing lemons to cannonball and i thought about it and i said nope because we can cover that in about two minutes it does not require its own episode <laughs> um it is a, a, a good question if you can call it that but um one very simply anyone that's done lamar did I say lemons to Cannonball? You did. I'm sorry. Lama, <laughs> the actual 24-hour Lama, not lemons. There is no comparison for lemons. But comparing Lama to Cannonball, anyone that's done Lama could do Cannonball. But very few people who have done Cannonball could do Lama. Uh, so let's just get that out of the way. Real racing is a different and higher skill set than Cannonball. Um, from a like public perspective, though... Cannonball has a universal appeal that Lamar and and all other racing doesn't. I mean, people people love race car drivers and like the top F one drivers are massive worldwide celebrities. But you know, outside of racing circles, outside of automotive circles, most people don't even know what Lamar is. But everybody knows what Cannonball is. Um, I think it's partly because the barrier to entry is lower. In theory, anybody could go do a Cannonball. Um, whereas Lama, like, you know, if, if I could just book a flight and rent a car and run Lama, that would be awesome, but you can't. And that's what makes it awesome. Like you have to be a real racing driver and, or fantastically rich, right? So in theory, I could do an arrive and drive at Lama after I got like certified and all that crap for, you know, like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I might not even get to drive because if I'm the second driver and the first guy wrecks it, I spent a couple hundred thousand dollars to do nothing. Yeah. Right. Um, so I, I think the the thought that anybody could go out and do a cannonball, even though nobody does, makes it more accessible and more interesting to more people. Um, and also, I think the real the, the reason that like any real racing driver is enamored with cannonball uh, is probably because of the dubious legality of it and the risk, right? So they take some amount of risk getting into a race car. Um, but they look at cannonballs like, holy crap, I could never do that. Like, you know, the, the bad publicity I get, if I get arrested, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, you have to be an outlaw to do cannonball. Whereas real racing is just drowning is shrouded in rules and technicalities, right? Um, and in cannonball, like there's no yellow flags, there's no restarts, there's no tech inspections, there's no weather delays, anything like you just have to go and do it. And so, you know, I think that makes it a little more, uh, it adds to the, to the lore of, of what cannonball is and makes it more interesting for, for the average person. Uh, but also there isn't like a cannonball on the TV every single weekend, right? Um, it's it's really only a small, weird group of people that do it, whereas there's millions and millions being spent weekly by amateurs and pros alike going out racing all over the world. Um, I mean, they're both the spirit of competition. People want to go out and win. They want to accomplish something. So in that, I think they're, they're similar, but there's not a whole lot of similarity outside that. All right. I got one here that I think is good. Uh, Ren at ITP. This was a previous question. I do want to say, I think Ethan has said it a couple of times. We've been absolutely inundated with questions tonight, which is super awesome. Uh, we will try to get to them. We will keep track of them. Um, so, you know, stay tuned Tune yes. in, in the future. Uh, so Ren at ITP uh, says, Doug, cross shopping a 4.3 Vantage and a 996 Turbo Cab. What would you take and why? Ah, yes. Code words. For people who don't know what we're talking about, that would be like a 2006 to 2008 Aston Martin V8 Vantage or a 2001 to 2005 Porsche 911 Turbo. Uh, I would take the Vantage all day, every day. 
Um, I'm going to say it. I'm going to piss everybody off here. I think 996 turbos are ugly. Um, they messed up the, the front bumper somehow. The GT2, they fixed. Um, yeah. But also, it doesn't have a top. We'll be like 911s without roofs look weird, in my opinion. Yes, <laughs> that's true. But let's take cab and convertible away. Let's say he was doing coupe or cab, didn't matter. Um, I would still take the Aston Martin Vantage. One, it's friggin' beautiful. I mean, there's very few ugly Aston Martins except every Aston Martin produced between 1980 and 1994. Um, but you can say that about every car produced in that era. Um, it sounds amazing. Um, it's really fun to drive. The interior is fantastic. They got somewhat reliable. Uh, if you're getting the Roadster, it's one of the most beautiful drop tops ever made, top down and top up. It has that waterfall feature, which is like the Corvette C5. And um, I, man, they are awesome, awesome cars. Um, and, and some people say, wow, they're they're slow, right? Or you got to get the, the 4.7. Okay, the, the 4.3 has 380 horsepower versus 420, and you can get a, a retrofitted power kit, which bumps it up to 400 from Aston Martin. So it's like, if 400 horsepower isn't enough for you on the street, like as a regular daily driver, just a, a fun sports car, like, I, you know, if you're a street racer or whatever, and you want to tune your car to go 150 miles an hour on the street fine but i just don't think that's practical so i would buy advantage i think they have enough power great sound great styling just an overall awesome driving experience a little bit more maintenance than the 996 turbo but not a ton that is my pick easy j dub 357 2001 Corvette Z06 with 35,000 miles. What is it worth in today's market? Uh, good question. 01 Z06. 01 would be the 375 horsepower, whereas the later ones were 405 horsepower. So there's a little bit of a value deduct there. Low miles, so 35,000 miles. Um, I'd say, I mean, it depends on color, too, if it's like a crazy color, but probably like mid to high 20s probably yeah depends how clean it is you know if it's white then 30 grand <laughs> so yeah uh good question um we are running out of time and we've still got two quick segments to knock out so if you're with us live we will go into bonus round here called tip talk after the end of the regular segment of the show so stick around please and we'll try to get to as many questions as possible during the live bonus round but with that said, we are going to the appraiser. And what a great segment, asking what something's worth. We're going to prove to you that we have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> so the appraiser is where Tyler and I pick cars for each other that are ending on an auction. So, you know, we, we don't know what they're going to go for. And we've got to guess and get as close as we can. And we're going to take a running total. And somebody suggested that the punishment for the loser. Uh-oh. Did you see this? No, I didn't. <laughs> Somebody suggested that the punishment for the loser of the appraiser is that they have to buy a janky Corvette C4 <laughs> and wear it, uh, sorry, drive it wearing the Corvette curmudgeon Winston cigarettes hat and drive it, daily drive it for six months. Six months? That is excessive. That would be, well, that wouldn't be a punishment for me. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> Tyler would that, hate uh... it. So that's Tyler's punishment. You got to come up with a different one for me. Anyway. All right. So uh, last week for Tyler, I picked a 2005 Atlas Gray over Natural Brown 996 GT3 with 20,000 miles. Very, very nice car. Did you see what it went for? I did not. I, okay. I kept it out. So he guessed $155,000. It sold for $137,000. Oh. That I'm honestly I am a little surprised. Yes, so you missed by 18 grand, which is 13 percent. So you're imp you improved a half a percent. Yeah, over still last not going week. down. <laughs> Keep the trend going. Yes, but you've overbid on every single one. So good thing I'm not a car dealer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you've missed high on all of them by a lot. You would be out uh, 18, 14, I can't do ad, 36, $37,000 so far. I can't far. do ad. I can't do ad. <laughs> I can't do ad. All That's right. why I'm here, Doug. I uh, read those. What did you pick for me, and how badly was I off? 
All right. So for you, Doug, I picked a 94 Mercedes Benz E500 Limited. Uh, for those that don't know, the Limited was a special Which is run me. <laughs> of uh, at, at the end uh, where they did special in like in special interiors, pretty much. So this one was black, like a black metallic, and it had a blue and like a dark bluish purple and black, like distra- distressed interior color thing. Really cool. Uh, so you had guessed what? 60,000? 60, 60,000. It went for 87,000. Mm. All right. That's my biggest miss so far. Which is really putting things back in my direction, I think. Maybe not Ooh. entirely, but... Uh, <laughs> that's that's bad. All right. What car did you pick for me next week? I think this is cool. And I think it's just weird enough that it might be a challenge for you. All right. So I picked a twin turboed 99 Dodge Viper GTS ACR Hennessy Venom 650R. Does it have the full aero package? Like the, the different front bumper and uh-huh. the wing and everything? Yep. Okay. Whole shebang. Um, 99 ACR twin turbo Viper GTS color? Silver. Stripes? No. Clean Carfax? Yes. Surprising. <laughs> Amazing, actually. It's a miracle. <laughs> Uh, miles, uh, eleven thousand. It's got like a black and light gray interior. Okay, what uh, what platform? What auction platform? Bring a trailer. For those of you uh, listening or watching, you should go check this out. It is somehow wild, and I think also somewhat tasteful at the same time for being late nineties. Oh, I missed by thirty one percent. Yeah, last week. I'm still smoking you. Now, okay. Well, anyway, hey, where's the 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 season is still young. Yeah, give him his anyway. moment. No, let's let's say this. I bid what it was worth, so I made thirty one percent profit. Uh, I've just paid for lots of smiles per uh, mile. Okay, ninety nine GTS ACR eleven thousand miles silver, six hundred horsepower Hennessy Venom package with the arrow. I'm not sure. It remains to be seen if this adds value. I actually looked at a yellow one of these and i think i bid it right at a stock viper price eleven thousand miles i'm going to do vipers are up right now though they're a little bit crazy so i'm gonna say ah i'm gonna go one i'm gonna say one eleven hundred eleven thousand 11,000 miles, GTS, it's an ACR. Yeah, I might change before the end of the night, but that's my thought. So yours is, I picked a green one because you oh, like green cars. Love it. 92 911 Turbo, so 964, it is not a 965, in Amazon green over cashmere. Oh, 71,000 miles, good service history, certificate of authenticity. It's for sale by 911R on BAT, so you know the photos are good. The front bonnet and driver's door have been repainted, but otherwise clean Carfax. And it has the legit Speedline wheels that were oh. only available on the 9436 Turbo. Is it hot in here, guys, or is this just me? <laughs> <laughs> so again, 92964 Turbo, Amazon Green, 71,000 miles, Speedlines, good service history. This is actually not going to be good for me because I don't follow their values too much. You should, because this is like the perfect car for you, all things considered. Yeah, like if I want... Yeah, it's oh, yes. this is so good. Let's see. Let's see what you uh, got. I am going to say... Uh, oh, goodness. What are these even worth? One... Good start. <laughs> 65... All right. I can't read that. Okay. I don't know what that means. What did I say on the Viper? 115? You said 111. We got the peanut gallery telling me that's strong. I don't yeah. know if that's strong because I am over here with such a good guess. or uh... no, that's, that's, that's a strong number. <laughs> um, you are a physically strong man. Yeah. yeah. yeah you said I think I'm going to go 115 okay. on the Viper. 115. 115 on the Viper. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm nervous. No, 120. I'm going 120. I'm going 120. Vipers are crazy. It's a Hennessy Venom. It's an ACR. Good history. I'm I hoping you'll go with me this week. And Maybe. this goes for like 
90. Okay. All right. Well, on that, oh, to make myself feel better, I, I, there was a 441,000-mile Shelby, sorry, 441-mile Shelby Series 1, one of two in white that was on Bring a Trailer. Do you know what the Shelby Series 1 is? I do. Yeah. Okay. So I guessed the number before I opened the email, and I hit it dead on. <laughs> dead you? on. What do you think it was? I had like three seconds, and I, I got to be honest, no clue. What Just those pick are a number. Uh, 105. No, 180. No. But I, I felt good because I just nailed it. I said 180, open the email, 180. Anyway, time for the props and flops. Again, this will end the regular portion of our show. If you're live with us on TikTok or YouTube, stick around for the bonus round of live questions afterwards. And Props and Flops is brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is... Demarcus, Devin, what's your name over there? Yeah. Uh, pick this one. It's a 94 Nissan 300ZX twin turbo five speed manual. It's black on black. It has some period correct Fast and Furious style appearance mods like, you know, uh, polished stainless steel intake runners and stuff like that. Still in wheels, painted calipers. It looks faster. Anyway, it's super low mileage, very original otherwise. And I just really like the styling of those. So that's our pick of the week. If you're interested, hit up switchcars.com for your SwitchCast $1,000 discount off of the price that they haven't picked yet. So, totally arbitrary. Flop of the week comes to us via Jay Roberts, the Gonzo Prius nonstop cannonball record holder. Uh, he didn't flop, but his story is great, as they usually are. He recently got back from Scotland, and he was unable to rent a Turo there. This had nothing to do with the mythical cannonball or rental blacklist, but simply because he was an American. The owners there are convinced that Americans don't know how to drive on the left side of the road. Honestly, I think they're being uh, a little bit political there because I'm pretty sure everyone in Europe thinks that Americans don't know how to drive, period. And yeah. I would generally agree with that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also true. <laughs> the, the prop of the week. BMW has a new M5 estate coming out yes. to compete with the likes of the Audi RS6 Avant. And, and they pretty much said without saying that it will be coming to the U.S. Oh. It has yes. a 4.4 liter V8, albeit with an electric motor also attached, which means gobs of horsepower and torque. But it's all-wheel drive, which I don't like, and I can bet my nuts that there won't be sticks in the wagon. So it's going to be all Could freaking automatic. Could you get automatic. the uh, <laughs> sedan in a manual still? Or is that only uh, I don't the think so. No. Okay. No, Just I think M3. the last two generations M5 were all automatics. So... Could be wrong. I'm wrong often. Well, that concludes our regular portion of the show. Thank you to both Ethan and Tyler for getting us through this. Thank you for all of the viewers and the questions. They were lively tonight. Uh, reminder, next week we are going to cover shipping and all that goes into that. So uh, load your questions up. Get them in early. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. <laughs>